Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Mark, the fourth chapter, and in verse 14, it says, The sower sows the word. So the word here is likened to seed. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. You know, we've got to remind ourselves the, the seed of the word is being sown today in our hearts. And there are these vultures. There are these birds that are hanging around that are waiting for you to leave church today. So that they can swoop down and steal what was stolen from you. So we have to be more committed to get the word in our hearts and hang on to that word and protect that word more than the devil is determined to take it from us. Because he's determined to get it out of us. And you, have, you need to know that. There's someone ready to come and, and, and snatch it from you. I've known situations where, you know, people, they were, they were praying, spending time with the Lord. And then they no sooner finished spending time with the Lord, had a glorious time with God and just worshiping God and enjoying the word of God. And then they got up from their prayer time and immediately walked in the flesh, immediately just got in the flesh about stuff and started saying things they shouldn't say. And then when it was over, they thought, why in the world did I do that? And I've seen people get discouraged and think, you know, what's wrong with me? I just, I just spent this time with God and then, and then I walked in the flesh. And I've had to remind them that the devil comes immediately. You have to know that. Don't think just because you spent time in the Word this morning or whenever, you spent time with God that, oh, now everything's going to be great. No, now there's going to be war. Now there's going to be adversity. Now something's going to come and try to steal the Word that's in your heart. So don't be surprised when you feel the fleshiest right after you felt the most spiritual. Really, we see that with the prophet Elijah. Remember, he called fire out of heaven. I mean, you, and you, 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 know, you read the story there, the prophet Elijah leading up to when he called fire out of heaven. And all the things that he did, how he mocked the prophets of Baal. I mean, he's just on top of the world. He's just as anointed as can be. And finally, you know, he, the ultimate thing happens where he's standing there before the nation, before the king. And in the name of the Lord, he calls fire out of heaven. The fire falls and it just burns up the sacrifice that he had prepared for the Lord. And the people fall down. They worship. They say, the Lord, he is Lord. He is God. And immediately after that, do you remember what happened immediately after that? Jezebel got word about what he did to her prophets of Baal. And she threatened his life. And the next thing you know, when he saw that, when he, when he saw when he got the image of what she had said she was going to do to him when she got him, how she was going to kill him, immediately he went running for his life and he is as depressed as could be. And you read the story. He's, he's telling God, just take my life. It'd be better if I was dead. I mean, he is completely faithless and in the flesh. And yet here he was just previously standing on top of the world calling fire out of heaven. You know, a lot of times that's when you're the most vulnerable. 
Because lots of when you're the strongest, you feel like nothing can, nothing can mess with you. Nothing will ever mess with you. But things will mess with you. Things will come against you. And if you're ready for it, then you don't have to stumble. They don't have to knock you down. So we don't have to be afraid about the devil. Him coming to me. Oh, you mean he's out there waiting for me this morning? You mean if I walk out of here, you're telling me the devil's about to swoop down on me? Well, not if you've got your guard up. Not if you're aware of these things. See, if you're aware, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's be aware of spiritual things. Number one, be aware of the Spirit of God. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to worry about the devil. You just got to be aware of him. The Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. We're not to be ignorant of his devices. So we remind ourselves of these things. Then, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, it was just the devil. Yeah, that's right. It was, he, he, he tripped me up. He tripped me up. All right, I got it. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be down on yourself. Just, 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 just stay. Okay, now I understand what happened. Dust yourself up. Say, okay, okay, okay. Lord, help me not to forget next time. Because, you know, here you just spend time with God and you love feeling spiritual and the devil comes and tries to make you feel fleshy. To undermine what you did so that what you did was really a waste of time and you don't need to spend time with God anymore because what good is it really doing you? Look at you. You just prayed and look at how you're acting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because when you understand these things, you say, no, 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 no. That's just the devil. And he'll come with his feelings and he'll come with his thoughts and he'll come with things to try to undermine what you just received from God. But if you're aware of it, then praise, praise God, what you do is you reinforce what you just did by declaring it and speaking it. You know, just like there's been about three or four times, the devil's come to me and just right out of left field, you know, all of a sudden this thought comes say, I just want to quit the ministry. I just want to quit the ministry. I mean, it would come with feelings. Well, I don't want to quit the ministry. That's ridiculous. Praise God. I got the best job in the world. I don't want to quit the ministry. But you see, I just want to quit the ministry. You know, it might be, it, it, sometimes it might have come, you know, right after a service or something like that. And, you know, and, and maybe you weren't, you know, that excited about how things had gone or how people responded to the word and things. You know, your own personal feelings can try to get in there. And, and, and then the devil comes and says, I just want to quit the ministry. He comes with feelings and thoughts and tries to make it like it's your thoughts. But the three or four times that that happened... At different, very different times, I recognized it was the devil. I recognized that it wasn't my thought. And, uh, and so I stopped, and I answered it. And I said, you know, devil, I'm so glad you said that. Now, yeah, I felt like just going, I felt like saying what he just put in my head. I just want to quit. That's a thought that came to me. And you want to say it. You just want to say it because it's just so strong. And I, and I just, I'm so glad you said that. I'm going to say just the opposite. See, I knew he wanted me to say, I just want to quit the ministry so I can get things going. See, set things in motion for him to try to get me out of the ministry. But he's actually excited about it. I thought, well, think about how much the devil doesn't want me in the ministry. I must be doing a pretty good job. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you know, for him to work like that to try to get me out of the ministry. He's not sitting there saying, you need to stay in the ministry. You know, if the devil tells you to stay in the ministry, oh boy. <laughs> you're probably messing things up. You're probably ruining the kingdom of God. 
So that just got me excited. So I said, I'm so glad you said that, Miss Devil. Now I'm going to say just the opposite. I said, I'm going to fulfill my ministry. I'm going to fulfill every phase of the ministry God's called me to do. I'm going to run my race with joy. Hallelujah. I just got to shouting about it. Amen. Another time I was driving in my car. I was newly saved. I was only saved, I don't know, just about a year or something like that. I was driving down Jerusalem Avenue in New York. And uh, I, I drove past this, uh, this area where there's a lot of, lot of you know, dense trees and things. And, uh, and all of a sudden, fear came in the car. Just fear came in the car. Just kind of gripped me with fear. And I knew I had nothing to be afraid of. So to me, it was so obvious, this is the devil. This isn't me. I'm not afraid. But it felt like I was afraid. But I wasn't afraid. This is the devil. I recognized that. So then I just acted afraid. And, I, you know, the devil, he doesn't know everything. Did you know that? The devil doesn't know everything. You know, he only knows what you tell him. So, you know, a lot of times people open their mouth and he goes, okay, he locates you. See? And so, so I just I hung onto the steering wheel. I just acted like I was afraid because fear just gripped me. And then I went, Jesus! <laughs> and I scared that devil, man. He flew out of that car. So I just gave him back what he was trying to do to me. He was trying to put fear on me and I just put it back on him. What's more scary to a devil than Jesus? Especially when you sneak up on them with them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God forever. So you see, we've got to answer these things. Can you say amen? amen? All right. I don't know how I got off on all that, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. Mark the fourth chapter. Verse 15. Oh, yeah, the devil swooped down on you and things like that. And steal the word. Praise God forever. Thank God. Thank God. He doesn't have to steal the word from us. Somebody say, I love the word. Nobody's getting it. From me. Amen. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, verse 15. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So they get excited about it, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And again, that word tribulation can also be translated affliction, burdens, pressure. The pressures of life come, burdens come, affliction. And immediately they stumble. You see, they don't have the root, the word of God rooted in them deep enough for them to be able to endure, to be able to be able to Stand against those temptations, be able to stand against those storms of life. So we talked about how important it is to get rooted in the Word of God or get the Word of God rooted in you. Get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. We talked about Ephesians chapter 3 where it says... Be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17 says, being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. There it is about being rooted. Be rooted and grounded in love. It doesn't just happen. you got to make that happen. Get rooted and grounded in love. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. Be rooted, grounded in the faith. Built up in him. Built up. So we're, we're getting our spirit man built up. Getting built up in the word of God. Getting rooted and grounded in the word of God. So that we know it like it's so. 
I mean, it's real to us. So when the storms of life, when things that are contrary to what God says comes, we go, no, 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 no. I know what God says. And so we don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by how we feel. No matter how strong the deception is, we know the truth. It's exactly the way God said it. And if we stay with the truth, we'll see the circumstances change. Can you say amen? And again, some storms aren't, they don't, they don't just blow in and they're out in a minute or two. Sometimes there are some storms that keep pressing and keep coming and keep coming. And it goes through the day, through the night, maybe a week, couple weeks, whatever it might be. However long the storm, it doesn't matter. The more the storms come, the more it just presses down our roots into the Word of God. We just get deeper and deeper into God. We don't get weaker and weaker. We get deeper and deeper. Can you say amen? Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law or love your word, and nothing causes them to stumble. Somebody say, I love the word. See, we're not just listening to the word. We love the word we're listening to. We love the... See, you got to get your affections involved in it. You know, that's another thing the devil has done, you know, to the body of Christ. A lot of churches, they remove their affections. They remove their emotions. They remove their passions and their desires. They remove those things from the church, from the house of God. Now, you can have it uh, when you're watching the Super Bowl. Now, you can, get, you can get all stirred up about that. But now, when it, comes to, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to the house, shh, shh, and church, holy, holy means quiet, quiet, stop moving. And people just stiffen up, you know, they just stiffen up, and they save all that energy for the Super Bowl, for something else. That's not how it's supposed to be. We are to love the Word of God because we love the God of the Word. We love the house of God. We love the people of God. Let's go! Let's go! Amen! Let's go! There's going to be some folks saying that, you know, out there on the field today. Let's go! You know, you need to stand up and just kind of slam the person next to you for a second. Well, wait, we'll do it at the end of the service. No, no, these football players, they don't walk out in the field and go, well, guys, you know, we'll do the best we can. And actually, I saw one team did that. It was a team I followed for quite a while. And, and one, yeah, I don't know, they were like lethargic or something. Like, all right, guys, well, you know, we, we're just going to have fun. You know, we're just going to go out there and let's just have fun. The other team in their huddle, they go, we're going to kill them. We're going to drive them into the ground. And guess who won? <laughs> I don't have to tell you. You know who won. Now, guys, we're just going to go out there and uh, have fun. No pressure. You know, just enjoy ourselves. Enjoy yourselves. These guys are about to kill you. <laughs> You're going to go out there and enjoy yourself. Passion, affection, put some emotion into it. We love the Lord. We love the word. We're serious about this stuff. Praise God forever. And, and that's going to keep us from, that's going to keep us from stumbling. That's going to keep the enemy from being able to steal the word from us. 
He's not going to be able to take the ball from us. No fumbles. No interceptions. He's not going to be able to take it from us. No, no turnovers. You see some of these people that fumble the ball, you know, they're running like this. It's like, hang on to the ball. You know, they're running like this. You know, and you see the guy that's running like this. It's like, you know, he's not going to lose that thing. You guys run like this, come and come slaps out of it, slaps you. Oh, 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 and then 10 guys jump on him. It's like a lot of Christians, you know. Hey, that was a great word, Pastor. Can I show you what? <laughs> Praise God. So that was the shallow ground. Now, let's look here at verse 18. He says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. I don't think it's important we get into this. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. And the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Notice that. He said these are the ones sown among thorns. So again, what's being sown? The word of God is being sown. And notice he says these are the ones being sown among thorns. In other words, the thorns are already there. In other words, there's already some bad seed in the ground. And, uh, and they've got some roots. They've taken root in people's hearts. You know, when we received the word of God, the devil had already planted a bunch of things in us. Haven't been what I'm talking about. And, you know, uh, depending on how old you are, when you finally came to your senses and came to the Lord and got saved, you know, the devil had a, a long time to sow a lot of things in people's hearts and to get those things he sowed in them rooted and grounded in them. And so a lot of folks in coming to the Lord, they've already come and the ground has, has got uh, a lot of stuff already in there. A lot, of, a lot of weed seed. A lot of things that don't produce anything good. That don't produce anything life. And you know, it's so easy to grow weeds. You, you ever notice that in the world? How, how easy it is to grow weeds? I mean, nobody has to try. You don't have to leave a sprinkler on. Right? You don't have to fertilize it. You don't have to do anything to that ground. The weeds are coming. Why? Because the earth is under a curse. The earth is under a curse. Well, just like it is in the natural, that's how it is spiritually. See, in the natural, weeds just grow up everywhere. You've got to fight the weeds. But, I, you know, how many people do you know they are out there fighting tomato plants? Man, these tomato plants keep coming up. Man, they just keep these pl- tomato plants. I keep getting these gorgeous tomatoes. Right? That doesn't happen. People, it, it, tomato plants aren't just growing up and things that you can eat and things you can enjoy and things that actually enhance your life. They don't just grow up. You've got you to sow it. You've got to guard it. 
You got all kinds of rodents and insects and things trying to get in there. Even the deer will come in there if you let them. And they'll eat your garden. They'll eat everything up. You've got to protect it. You've got to water it. And you've got to keep getting the weeds out. And the weeds just keep coming. They just keep coming. Just like that, it is that way in the natural. That's how it is spiritually. The enemy's going to keep sowing seeds. He's going to keep throwing junk at you. If you want the good stuff, if you, if you want the word of God, if you want to produce a godly harvest, a, a life of godliness, you're going to have to sow the word, water the word, guard the word, Work the word. Stay with the word. In order for that word to produce in your life. So he says, that sounds like work. Yes, but people do it all the time for a natural harvest. People do it all the time for plants, right? To be able to grow vegetation or what have you. People do it. People work. People do it. How much more? Should we be doing it spiritually? How much more should we be guarding our garden and cultivating the ground and watching over it and doing what it takes to produce the kind of promises that God has promised us that we would reap in our life if we don't lose heart? How, how much more should we be at work? How much more should we be willing to give our all to grow the word of God in our life? If people are willing to do it for natural food, you and I should be more than willing and want to do it, have a desire to do it, knowing the kind of promises that this word produces in our life. Thank God for the promises of God. We're going to walk in them all. Can you say amen? We're going to have them all. So we got to be willing to do that. So we can't be surprised. This is how it works, folks. Let the natural teach you about these spiritual things. Jesus was constantly using natural parables to teach spiritual or heavenly truths. And so we need to understand. This is, this is how it is in life. This is how it is in life. And just, you can't make the devil go away. You can't make the weeds go away. You can't do it. The weeds are going to come. Always, there's always going to be a fresh weeds that are going to want to come. But then there's stuff, like we said here, that have already have been there. And they've already, they've grown up. There are thorns. There are things that will prick you. There are are nasty things that people have in in their hearts or in their souls. Things that they're rooted in. Habits that are contrary to godliness. Certain behaviors that are not godly. And so they have these bad habits. They've got things on the inside of them that are constantly rising up. And what does it do? It chokes the word. It chokes the word out of their life. Verse 19, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now notice there it talks about entering in. So you've got you got some thorns that are already grown, and then you got some that are being freshly sown. There's stuff being freshly sown, entering in, entering in, and choking the word of God so that what? So that we don't see the fruit. We don't see the kind of fruit that the word promised us. Well, I want to see the fruit, don't you? I want, I want to reap the results 
that God said we would have if we trusted in him, if we believed in him, if we followed him, if we walked with him. Boy, what a harvest he has promised. What a, what a life he's promised. What kind of life has he promised us? An abundant one. See, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. He's got an abundant life for us. A life full of every good thing. A life full of blessing and no curses. That's why Jesus came and he took the curse for us. Galatians 3.13 says, he took the curse for us so that we would be blessed. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Lazarus. You know, he was a friend of Jesus. And uh, he had two sisters, Martha and Mary. One day, Lazarus had passed away. He had died. And Jesus came to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried. And he said, roll the stone away. And remember, what was it? It was Martha, right? She said, oh, Lord. Lord, he's been in there four days. Don't tell him to roll the stone away. I mean, he stinketh by now. King James, you know. He stinketh. He stinketh by now, you know. I mean, it really smells, Lord. And so they rolled the stone away. And Jesus stood outside the tomb And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that, well, let's look at it. John, the 11th chapter, and in verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound. Hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now this is very interesting here. Notice this man came out and the Bible says he was bound hand and foot. Well, if he was bound, see he was mummified. He was all wrapped up. And yet, how did he come out? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And here he is. He's all bound. That means not only did the man revive and come back to life, but the power of God lifted him up and carried him to the front of that cave, that tomb where he had been buried. The power of God lifted him up and brought him forth because he couldn't bring himself forth. He was bound. So he's standing there bound A lot like you and I, when we first were raised from spiritual death. When you were born again, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, see, you were spiritually dead in your sins and trespasses. But then he raised you up from the dead. You've been resurrected. Born again. Born anew. And there you are, standing before Jesus, a new creation. Bound bound. Even though he was raised from the dead, he was still bound. Just like when most folks are born again, they are still bound by certain habits. They still have certain things that entangle their life and keep them in bondage. Now we got to get our minds renewed to the word of God, right? Now we have to learn what it means to be a Christian. Now we have to understand, you know, what 
God expects of us and how to walk with God, how to walk like God, how to walk like Jesus. This is something we have to learn. But when we first came, see, folks, even though they're born again, new creations, they're still bound with a lot of bondages that they've had their whole life. And a lot of times people, the bondages that they have, they don't even mind because they don't even know that, that they're, they really are bound. They think it's normal. You know, they think that's just entertainment. That's just, that's just how people live. That's just, some people just live that way. And they just think it's normal. They don't even know it's bondage. But thank God, at least when you get saved, you recognize this is bondage. I don't want to be in this anymore. I mean, his face is covered everything. I don't want to be in Yeah, dead man don't mind. Dead man don't mind lying there bound. You know, he's dead. See, people that are spiritually dead, a lot of times they don't, they don't mind a lot of stuff. They don't mind a lot of stuff in their life that I just, I wouldn't want near me. I wouldn't want any part of that. I wouldn't want to go there and be a part of that, talk like that, be around that. But they don't want it. They think it's great. They think it's wonderful, see, because they're spiritually dead. So being bound, a lot of the bondages they don't even care about. They're not really even worried about it. They're not even really thinking about it. They're not even looking at it as bondage. But we get saved, we start realizing, I've been created for something a whole lot better than this. This is not how my life's supposed to be. See, that's why you got to watch. Because, see, some Christians, they stay that way for so long. After a while, they begin to think again that these grave clothes, these bondages, are normal. And so then you have Christians that uh, they come up with bumper stickers that say, you know what, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Or they sing songs like, uh, saints are just sinners that fall down and get up again. But, but, but you're a sinner, really, at heart. You're just, you fall down. But the difference is you get up and you stand in front of the cave. Trying to see Jesus with a veiled face. Now, a lot of folks do. They, 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 they try to see Jesus with a veiled face. They're all in bondages. Got all these bondages on their lives. Eh? See, so they start justifying. They start making songs. And they start coming up with all kinds of slogans and things like that. To just say, it's okay for us to be this way. And now they've forgotten what they were purged from. They were forgot what they were created for. And they're living like a sinner. They're a saint, but in their mind, they're just sinners because I still am bound to the same things I was bound to before I got saved. I'm still bound with those same bondages, and I've been saved for 20 years. So you know what? It must be normal. Stop fighting it. Stop fighting the bondages and just realize we're just saved by grace. We're just old sinners. We're just old sinners saved by grace. It's grace. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It's grace. He knows you're a sinner. He knows you're going to live like a dog. Nothing you can do about it. Don't expect much change. You're not much different than anybody else. You're not different from the sinners in the world. This is a lie. And yet it fills so much of the body of Christ today. People have settled for a life of bondage. Because because they've been bound for so long, they've given up hope that it really is a higher, greater place of living. But friend, 
there's a higher and greater place of living. And we're not going to grow weary, and we're not going to settle, and we're not going to make excuses for living in bondage. We're coming out because we know there's greater, because we know there's better. Don't ever lose heart. Doesn't matter how long it takes, we're coming out of the old way of doing things. We're not going to be bound. We're not going to stay under the control of things that controlled us when we were in Satan's kingdom. We're not in his kingdom anymore. And he's not going to rule over us anymore. He's not going to keep us in bondage anymore. Notice what Jesus said to Lazarus. He didn't actually say it to Lazarus. He said it to his disciples that were there with him. He said what? Loose him and let him go. He's not supposed to stay that way. He's out of the tomb. See, a lot of folks just be happy with that. It's just great to have him back. It's just great. It's just great that he's alive. We're just glad you're saved. And they'll leave you, they'll leave you wrapped up with bondage. But that's not God's will. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Get that bondage off him. Get him unwrapped. Uproot those thorns, those thorny things, those things that he's been in bondage to, those things that have been a part of his life. Let's get those things out of his life. Let's get him loosed from those things. Let's get those things out of him. Let's get him free from those things. That's God's will for us, that we'd be free from all these things. And notice how Jesus got Lazarus loosed so that the thorns weren't holding him anymore. So those things weren't holding him any longer. What did he do? What did he use to get it done? He used his disciples. He used his disciples. And if you want to walk in the liberty, the fullness of the freedom that God has for you as a Christian... Guess what you're going to need to be around? You're going to need to be around some disciples. No, I just did, I didn't say Christians. I said disciples. I'm talking about some disciplined ones that know how to get free. They know how to get the plank out of their own eye so that now they can see clearly how to remove the speck that's in your eye. They know how to, I'm not talking about hypocrisy land, where everybody's just happy in hypocrisy, all bound with the world, making excuses why they live in sin. I just had a, I had a guy, you know, Christian. He's asking me all kinds of Bible questions and stuff like that. Goes to a, you know, a big church in town and things. Anyway, we were sitting talking, and he just, he started cursing. He cursed about a couple things. Blankety, blankety, blank. I thought, so then he blankety-blanked again. Well, when he blankety-blanked again, I said, uh, can I ask you a question? I, I said, because he was just asking me all these Bible questions. I said, you're a brother, right? Or you're a Christian in the Lord, aren't you? Yeah. I said, how, how do you say stuff like that? He goes, let's just stay on what we're talking about here. <laughs> okay, that's great. I said, I'm not going to harass you. You know, I made, I made light of it and we went on, but, you know, you could tell it bothered him. Because I don't know how many other fellow Christians even call, would call him out on that. 
I mean, he knew I'm a minister and everything else, and, and yet he felt perfectly comfortable, blankety-blanking, in my presence like that. See, and, and he is surrounded, he's, he's surrounded himself with Christians. Talks a lot of Christian stuff, you know. He's, he's, you know, feeds on a lot of Christian material. See, we need to be around disciples. We need, we need accountability. We need a local church. We need a church family full of disciples. Folks that love the word of God, believe the word of God, doers of the word of God, because they will help you get loosed. They will help you get free. See, for a Christian being in church this morning, that's not an option. That is a necessity. We need to be in church this morning because we need to walk in greater liberty. We need to make sure that all the thorny stuff is out of our life, that we're not pricking people and being pricked. We're not being bound and we're not a bondage to somebody else. What's going to help us? Being under the word of God, hearing the word of God, being around people that believe the truth. Not some compromised, watered-down version of the word, but the word of God in power, in the power of the whole and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We need that. So, that is, we could say, the first key to getting the thorns out of your life, to get those bondages out of your life, to get those things out of your life that have held you in bondage. You got, still got some things that are holding on to you? You still got some things that are choking the life of Jesus out of you, choking the word, keeping you from a full harvest of what God has promised you? Then check up. On, I don't want to just say your attendance to church. Check up on your connection to your fellow disciples, to your fellow believers, to your church, to your pastor. Check up on the connection. Because just attendance isn't enough. There's got to be love. There's got to be passion. There's got to be a connection. You got to be able to let people mess with your life. You can't be ashamed. You can't be afraid to stand out and say, I got these issues. I need some prayer. I need some help. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of folks, you know, they get a hold of faith in God and they think, well, I can't let them know I have these problems because then they're going to think I don't have faith and, 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 and I'm unspiritual. And, 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 and so they hide their problems. That'd be like Lazarus coming out and going, oh, and go, going back in, you know, he comes out. He's just so he's just so embarrassed, you know. He oh oh, close 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 the stone, close the stone. It's too bright out there. Everybody, everybody can see me, right? That's not good. It's not good, is it? It's not good. Now you need to come out there and go, huh? I wouldn't come down to the front and get prayer because, because then that would mean the people praying for me are more spiritual than me and, uh, and, and, and it would show that I don't have faith and after all these years I should have faith. And Listen, we all go through storms. There are trials and tests. There are things that come. We need each other. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Humility is not afraid to say, help. Would you pray for me? Will you help me? And thank God there are people that can help you. Amen. Amen.
There's people that come. So, so check your connection. If there's stuff that's still choking the life of Jesus and the life of God's promises out of you, then check upon your connection. Make sure you're connected. Let, let what God is giving you here be able to have its full work in your life. Full work of uprooting and loosing and getting things out of you and off of you that don't belong in a Christian's life. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And then notice this also, a second key to getting things uh, rooted out of you. Yeah, we were just talking about being rooted in the word, right? Getting the word rooted in us. Now we're talking about getting some things rooted out of us. Get, uh, uprooted, excuse me. Get some things uprooted. There's some things that got to be uprooted too. If we're going to walk in everything God's got for us. Notice that the thorns are the result of seeds. And seeds are an illustration of what? Words. So just like the word is sown, the word of God is sown in people's hearts, and the result of that is a godly harvest, words are at the root of these thorny things that have been sown into our lives, into our heart. Words, words that we've heard and words that we have spoken ourselves. Words that are contrary to the word of God. Words that are contrary to the word of God spoken out of your life are going to produce a harvest that is contrary to the harvest of God's word. A harvest that God's word would produce in your life. So understand the root of those things that are pricking you, binding you, causing you to prick others, poke others, be nasty, be ugly. All those things, you could trace them back to words, the words of your mouth. So we need to speak differently. We need to speak differently and we need to say something to these mountains, to these thorns, right? You know what Jesus said over in Mark 11? He said, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he what? Says. Sometimes you got to say something to the things that are binding you or the things that are like addictions or problems in your life. Instead of saying, ah, I just love chocolate. If you have a problem with chocolate, don't keep sowing, I love chocolate seeds. Why don't you start saying to that chocolate addiction? And of course, there's other addictions out there that are greater than chocolate, but we're just using that. You know what they are. I don't have to spell out your issues. You can figure your own issues out if you have any. Right? If you have any, you know what they are. So we'll just say chocolate. Right? We'll be sweet. And we'll just say chocolate. So you say to the, you got to talk to that chocolate demon. Don't just talk about the chocolate demon. I just want to have chocolate. I just love chocolate. I just can't stand it. I don't know what it is. I just keep going back to chocolate. That's what you keep saying. And guess what you're going to have? You're going to have exactly what you keep saying. 
I just keep going back to chocolate. I don't know why, God, I don't know, I pray and I do this, but I keep going back to chocolate. So stop saying that. And start saying something to the chocolate. Start saying something to the mountain. Be removed. Right? Isn't that what he said? Say to that, say, speak. Use your words to uproot those words that have taken root in your heart and are robbing you of God's best. Speak to it. Speak to it. Talk to it. Say, chocolate ain't nothing. Chocolate ain't nothing. I got victory over chocolate. I got victory over this. In the name of Jesus, that is nothing but flesh and greater is he that's in me than that which is in the world. And you start declaring these things. No more in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't know who it was, but a minister was was sharing one time about how they helped somebody who had an addiction to cigarette smoking. And they said to him, they said, uh, you know, the next time you smoke a cigarette, because they had prayed for him, you know, and they said, I just can't get free. He said, well, stop saying that. I, can't, I just can't get free. I can't get free. You know what you're going to get if you keep saying I can't get free? You're going to keep yourself in bondage. He said, he said uh, you know, they had prayed about it. They took authority over it in the name of Jesus. He said, now listen, he said, uh, if, you, if you go ahead and smoke a cigarette, he said, it's okay. He said, but this is what I want you to do. He said, the next time you pick up a cigarette... I want you to look at that cigarette and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for setting me free from cigarette smoking. And when you light it up and and, and put it to your mouth, you just say, oh, thank you, Lord, I am free of cigarette smoking. And when you inhale, that first inhale, just say, thank you, Lord, I am free of cigarette smoking. Oh, it's so good to be free. I am so free of cigarette smoking. Oh, hallelujah. I am so free of cigarette smoking. I'm so free of cigarette smoking. Oh, thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. Well, this person did what they were told. That's key. Do what you're told. That's that's key number A. That's, That's 2A. How's that? Do what you're told. And so they just kept, they kept speaking freedom, kept speaking freedom. Until all of a sudden, one day, they picked up the cigarette and they had no desire for it. I said, thank you, Lord, I'm so free. They thought, you know what? I don't have to have a cigarette. I'm free. What happened there? You got rooted. You rooted and grounded the word of freedom over cigarettes into your being. And it uprooted all the, I love cigarettes. I'm just so addicted to cigarettes. I can't seem to quit cigarettes. All those words. You choked those words out. Come on. God's word can put a greater chokehold on the devil than the devil can put on God's word. Amen. Let God's, I mean, think about it. If what the devil sows, his weak seed stuff, if that could choke out God's word. How much more can God's word yeah. choke out? What the, you know what I'm talking about? Headlock? That's a headlock. I could bring you up here and illustrate it. You know what I'm talking about? Get him in a headlock like that. Just choke the, just keep speaking the word in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come here, come here. No, you're too, he's too tall. I need someone who a little bit more of my... I mean, you're not too small either, but. And so the, 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 the devil, 
the cigarettes, the addiction, the bondage, comes along and just tries to hug you and says, oh, you need me, you need me, you need me. And, and so, ah, ah, ah. And next thing you know, you're being choked to death, right? You don't follow this? And then, and then you, get, you get the word of God, you know, and you're feeding on the word of God. And you're speaking the word of God until finally, suddenly you go. (laughs) See, did you get that? (laughs) Break the thing. So sometimes you gotta you gotta choke the bondage until you (laughs) break the bondage. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Ready in season and out. He's always ready. It's wonderful. (laughs) Did you see that? See, sometimes folks, they aren't ready for the... They're not ready for that. And so then they give up because they don't have have a chokehold on their problem. They don't have a chokehold on it yet. Let's get it in a chokehold. And let's just keep growing our faith and speaking to that thing and speaking that thing until finally we got enough strength and confidence. Our faith is so strong. It's like, I'm done with you. And we walk free. See, a lot, a lot of folks, they got, they got olive oil. Is that her name, Popeye and olive oil? Was it olive? olive oil? They got olive oil arms, you know. They're trying to, they're trying to squeeze a bowl, you know. It's not working. It's not working. Just keep eating your spinach and hang out with Popeye. (laughs) Hang out with Popeye and eat your spinach. And we'll get there. See, we'll get there. See, you you understand there's some some devils you can just say, come out in Jesus' name, and they go. You know, and the devil is likened to, to, to a snake. He's like it to a snake. And sometimes you just command the thing, go, and it goes. But notice in Mark 16. Go there really quick. I want to show you something. Mark 16. He says in verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. But then watch verse 18. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Notice that. In my name, they'll cast out demons. And then he says, they will take up serpents. Now, I know literally, you know, we saw it with the, with the apostle Paul. He got bit by a viper snake, and, and yet he suffered no harm. He shook the creature off. And the Bible is promising that. That nothing will harm us in these areas when it comes to these reptiles and so forth. But we also know Demons are likened to serpents, scorpions, snakes, right? So we could really look at that even in a spiritual way that there as believers, there's some demons we'll just cast out. Go in Jesus' name. But then there's some we will take up, uproot. We will uproot out of our own life. We'll uproot out of other people's lives. There's some things that have to be uprooted, and that might require a little bit more work, a little bit more working the Word of God. But we're okay with working the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Praise God forever. 
So saying, 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 saying. Now I have a few more keys that would help us, but we've run out of time today because we're going to be receiving communion here in a little bit. And so, um, so we'll just have to come back and do it again, Lord willing. All right, but this is good. We're learning to get the thorns and the things that are choking our harvest out of our, out of our life. Praise God, getting the victory over these things. So, so the first key, just, just as a, a review, first key was disciples. You need to be around disciples. You need to be around disciples that can help loose you and help let you go. And then number two, Say to the mountain, say to the thorns in the flesh, say to these issues, say to these problems, speak to them, speak to them. And it might be more than just one time. It's a speaking, a speaking. Change the way you talk. If you got bondages in your life, if you got problems, change how you talk about them and start talking to them. Start talking to them. And these things are going to help you to walk in freedom. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord this morning. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.